Well, I'm so happy to be up here sharing with you today. We are in the midst of a, a, a series called The Hope of Glory. And uh, it was funny, before we, weeks before, and Fred shared this too, before we were, we were trying to uh, narrow down a, a definition of glory, we, we discovered that it's really difficult to do that. Because how, how can you define the, you know, how do you define that? It's just a, when you see God's awesomeness. So the definition we nailed down was the glory of God is a display of how awesome God is. And that is definitely it. And, and I think, you know, the first time I saw there's these waterfalls in, in, near Portland, Oregon called Multnomah Falls. It looks like something you'd see like in Rivendell where the elves live. It's like, it's just beautiful. And the first time I pulled up, I was like, oh. But then like the third or fourth time, I was like, oh, cool waterfall. You know, and that, that's like things on earth, the glory fades, but, but God's glory never fades. And I believe when we get to heaven, it's going to be like, oh, until forever. And that's why I think it says if we see God, you die, because we literally can't control or be able to contain what we would experience by seeing him in his fullness. And I'm so great. I'm so excited to get to that point in heaven where we just get to see it all. And, uh, but until then, we want to see his glory on this earth. And we want to see his glory working in us and working through us. And, uh, and we believe, over the past few weeks, we've been talking through uh, the hope of glory and God manifesting his glory in different elements of life through parenting and marriage and, and, and those kind of things. But today we're talking about work specifically. And uh, we believe that God wants to reveal his glory through your work. And I, I like, to, I like to, to talk about what work is because there's a lot of folks in the room who spend their time, uh, they're full-time moms or full-time dads, they're homeschooling, uh, or they're retired and they're volunteering. And for some reason in our society, we think work, something becomes a job when you get paid for it. <laughs> But I don't think that's really the truth. So in this room, we have, we have those full-time moms, homeschoolers, full-time dads. We have people, folks who are retired, but they're volunteering like crazy. We have folks who, who, are, who are doctors, who are nurses, who are lawyers, who are involved in the oil and gas industry. We have people who are involved in politics. Or we have people all over the place in every, every area of society, which I think is just awesome, uh, serving God and, and reflecting his glory, seeing his glory. But sometimes in our work, we don't always see that, but we're going to get to that in a second. Yeah, for me, I've had all kinds of different jobs in my life. I, uh, when I was when I was really was in junior high or elementary, I, my dad would sometimes take me to his office during the summers to do office work, which I think I was really just giving my mom a break. My dad was giving my mom a break uh, during the summer. I don't think I really did much work, but the first job I remember actually getting paid for or a responsibility I had uh, was through some adolescent uh, shenanigans. I got uh, some community service. Uh, at Katie Christian Ministries out in Katie, and which turned into a job. So apparently, I did my community service well, and I uh, was working at a thrift store. And and then uh, over the years in college, I would during my summers I'd work in the oil fields in South Texas, scrubbing like gas wells with wire brushes, and then painting them, and like be surrounded by walls of cacti and like a hundred what felt like 130 degree heat, and almost died one time from heat exhaustion. Not fun. Uh, chopping weeds, fighting rattlesnakes, you know, and. Uh, and then uh, coming back to school and uh, being a full-time student, which I think is also work, and, um, and then um, uh, volunteering at my church in, in Waco uh, quite, a, quite a bit, and be eventually coming on staff as one of the college, uh, college staff team. And, uh, and then uh, started, working at, started working as a barista at Starbucks uh, while, while volunteering, uh, getting, getting, uh, volunteering at Antioch quite a bit. And, and uh, man, that's a job right there, uh, thankless job. People treat you like you're a coffee maker or something. But, uh, we're going to go into that a little bit, but but uh, had so many different uh, random jobs, and then through ministry. I think I've been the most, like, 
just about every pastor you can be at youth and college and lead, and now I'm associate pastor. I've never been a women's pastor. I think it has something to do with just my lack of authority and, uh, and experience in that area of ministry. I, um, and uh, so, uh, I, yeah, and I've got to be, uh, you know, go on short-term mission trips as a job, lead people on mission trips, and as a traveling evangelist, as actually my title, it's kind of a funny title. Uh, I think of like like a like a suit, white white suit and a tambourine for some reason, but uh, that was not what I was. Uh, I just went to different countries and told people about Jesus, and that was my job. It was like the coolest job, right? Um, so much fun. And, and uh, there was a, there was a time I, when I moved to Houston. I worked for an oil company for a year, uh, and then uh, but during that time, uh, I was going to a church in Katy, and they had this thing called a cakewalk. And I had recently been new to cable. I hadn't had cable for years, and they had all these cake shows. And I like to like kind of experience with different things, so I thought, oh, I'll make a funny cake, and uh, so I made like like a actual like a 3D banana and like my pastor's head, and and apparently like people thought I was good at it, so I started placing orders, and and uh, which was really kind of funny. Uh, so when I I I felt like Lord was leading me to resign uh, from my oil and gas job and get uh, I was I was getting certified to teach at the time. I was thinking that's what I was going to do next. So I had a few months where I needed to earn extra money, so I started taking people up on those orders entering into one of the darker seasons of my life. Yes, I was a baker, uh, baking cakes. Um, I actually have a little bit for your viewing pleasure, and just so you can grow in compassion for me. Uh, I made a Tonka truck. Yep. For, uh, that, uh, that was a minion cake. Not, not bad, right? We got an owl for a graduation. 16, six Sweet 16 party. This is like Thor's hammer from the movie Thor. And we were at a costume party, and whoever had the best costume got to pull out the hammer. They were worthy, you know, whatever. Uh, next picture. This is a purse. I made two purses. I made a Chanel purse and a Louis Vuitton purse. There were some other cakes, some princess cakes that I made. I just, Jesus, help me. It was a dark time in my life. I've destroyed those pictures. So no one can find them. Um, you know, I had all different kinds of, I'm not taking orders. I'm done with it, I think. That purse cake, I worked out like $2.20 an hour is what I earned off of it. It's just so not worth it. But God, you know, he used it to provide for uh, me and my family in little ways, but still ways. Uh, had all kinds of jobs. And, and, you know, we all have different, we're all in different seasons professionally where we're just loving our job or we're not loving our job or we don't have a job or our job is to, is to do something we're not really thrilled about doing, like making a princess cake or uh, whatever your deal is, wh whether you're unhappy there or whether you're happy at work, we believe that God wants to reveal his glory to you, his nature, who he is through what you're doing with your time. And I want to go over the history of work briefly, starting in Genesis chapter 1, uh, verse 31. And uh, God saw that all he, that he had made, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. God worked hard, and then he enjoyed it. He saw that it was good. And I believe that's our destiny for work that we would work hard and that we would enjoy it. But unfortunately, that's not always the case. We don't always work hard, and then we don't always enjoy it. Sometimes we don't want to work hard because we don't enjoy it. And I believe that God, when God becomes central, uh, we experience something like Adam did on his job. Let's go to the next one. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food in the middle of the garden, were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So God made this garden. Let's go ahead and go to the next slide. Then the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. 
And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will certainly die. So God made this garden, and it says, remember, it says that God made all trees that were pleasing to the, pleasing to the eye and, and pleasing to eat. God made those things grow, and then he put Adam there to tend it and care for it. And that was the first job. That was the first, you know, uh, uh, occupation. Uh, and Adam, Adam's job was to care for something that was vibrant and, and life-giving and, and, and perfect. What a great job, right? It's like, I'm keeping this garden, and the, you know, the tree, you pluck it off and you eat it. That's make sure the tree doesn't fall over. I don't know. I believe that's God's destiny for us. That's our destiny in Christ when he is central, when we're, when we're looking to him to be the, the, the source of rights and wrongs, that when he is our father, when he, when he is central in our lives, that work becomes something that's fruitful and life-giving. Isn't that great? Let's see what happens when sin comes into the picture. When they ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, this is what happened. Uh, well, Satan tempted them and said, you will certainly not die. Uh, to, to Adam and Eve, the serpent said to the woman, For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and knowing evil. So basically, Satan's like, hey, you can eat from it, but, but, but then you'll be central. And God won't be central anymore, is basically what he was saying. So the temptation was to make themselves central and to not make God central. And that's what we've done, unfortunately. And here's the consequence of that horrible decision. Uh, to Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate the fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. So there's a lot of stuff here, but I want to focus on specifically the, how the nature of his work changed. It went from being something life-giving and fruitful and beautiful to look at to something that was developing, something that was much sweat and toil, and then what he was getting from his work was thorns and thistles. And sometimes in life, I believe, when, especially when God is not central, we are working hard, and we are just getting thorns and thistles. Sometimes at our jobs, we're unhappy. We, we can't see what God is doing. Uh, we are frustrated. We work with uh, uh, bosses or uh, co-workers who are not always the funnest to be around, or maybe that you don't feel appreciated, or maybe you're not making enough money, or maybe someone else got the promotion you wanted, or maybe uh, it just doesn't seem like your kids are getting it at home, or whatever you're spending your time doing, it just doesn't seem like it's happening, or maybe stay-at-home moms wish they could be out there doing something different, or, or dads wish they could be at home more, or whatever it is, we're, we're thinking of greener grass. We want to go somewhere else, and, and we're, we're, we're just experiencing thorns and thistles, but what I believe those thorns and thistles are actually, um, when you experience those, those can be a gift, depending upon your perspective. I believe God desires for you to have uh, life, an abundant life, in the, context, in, in, your, in the context of work, and to reveal your glory in his work. But sometimes we experience thorns and thistles, and what those thorns and thistles are telling us is, maybe God isn't central right now. Or Jesus, those thorns and thistles hurt, and we look to Jesus. Oh, there you are. And then we find that life-giving fruit because that's what Jesus did on the cross. He made a way for us to really experience life. In John 10.10, Jesus said, The thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and life and have it more full. You know that Jesus wants to give you abundant life? And he wants to give it to you in your work. Abundant life. He really does. In John 14.6, it says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. 
Jesus wants you to experience life. He wants to reveal his nature and his goodness to you in your work. He really does. And I don't want to say this, um, man, I don't want to be, I don't want, I want to be compassionate because I know that there are some people in this room who are really frustrated in their jobs right now. They're really just frustrated with their work. They can't get the things done. They don't feel appreciated, et cetera. We can go on and on. But I want you to know that your job is a gift, and God is there, and he wants to reveal his glory to you. And I believe those thorns and thistles can cause us to dig deeper in downward spirals into despair and frustration and ungratefulness, or they can cause us to look to Jesus and to keep our eyes fixed on him, the eternal God, the provider, and the servant of all. And when we look to Jesus and when we fix our eyes on Jesus, like it says in Hebrews 12 too, let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. That's a different version, but, but you get the idea. We want to focus on Jesus instead of focusing on all these things. Because when we focus on the frustrating and disappointing things of life, we just end up getting frustrated and discouraged, right? But when those frustrating and disappointing and discouraging things cause us to look to Jesus, we see who he is. We see his glory. And I want to invite you to take a chance with your work, especially if you're in a rough patch, to look to Jesus in the midst of the thorns and the thistles. And don't just focus on the thorns and the thistles, because if you do, that's all you're going to see. But if we, if we use that to look to Jesus, okay? So there are three different aspects of who God is that I want to encourage you to, to fix your eyes on today. Number one, that he is eternal. It blows my mind to think about God as the eternal God forwards, like he's, oh, he always will be, and, and thank you, Jesus, we're always going to be with you, but that he is also eternal backwards. He's always been, like always, before earth. Like, isn't that wild? That's, that's wild to me. I, I don't, I, maybe I'm just, I don't know, maybe I'm not as bright as you guys are, but that's hard for my brain to figure out. But he always was. And when I think of God in that, with that perspective, this little life of mine that's like that, not even like that, in the grand scheme of eternity, the problems I have aren't are significant. In fact, I, was, uh, I had my friend Gus Hunter in town a few years ago. I was whining about one element of my job. Uh, and he, with just so much compassion, he just said, Billy, you know, a thousand years from now, this isn't going to be that big of a deal. I was like, oh, you are right. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Gus. That was helpful. A thousand years from now, you're not going to be like, I can't believe my boss yelled at me that day. You're going to be like, Jesus. You know that. <gasps> when, you're, when you're on your deathbed, which I don't even know what that is, if there's such things, but just imagine you're on your deathbed and you're about to die somehow, you know. And you're not going to think, I was a great doctor. <laughs> or, man, I just, I may, I'm so glad I made that. That, that six figures I always wanted, uh, or, you know, I wish I just could have been, had that promotion, uh, you know, like, that's not what's going to be happening on your deathbed, on your, when, when you're dying, when you're, when you're, when it's, when your time's running down, you're going to be thinking, man, did I really love God well, where am I going right now, because, you know, life on earth is like, like this, and like eternity is like forever and ever and ever and ever. Ever, forever, 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 forever. That's like a long time, right? We spend so much time on earth thinking about our time on earth. 
but we spend very little time on earth thinking about our, our time in heaven. It's like, it's like the, story, the little, you know, would you rather have a dollar today or ten dollars tomorrow? It's like, yeah, give me the dollar today. We're living for this earth. But I believe biblically how we live on earth completely impacts what eternity looks like for us. And I want to see God. I want to see him in his glory. I want to reflect his glory on this earth. I want to do what he's calling me to do. Because what is success? Who decided that success equals fame and fortune? Where did that even come from? That is a lie. That if it, I just want to kick it. It's just such a filthy lie. Because people devote themselves to those things. And I, when I was in high school, I had a friend who uh, was a famous country music singer, like top ten. Uh, I'm not going to say his name. Uh, you'll know why. Um, I got to, the last time I remember getting drunk as a teenager was at his concert in his bus. And um, <laughs> classy, classy guy. Um, man, multiple marriages, multiple kids of different people. Really wealthy, really famous. People were, like, worshiping at his concert. But the guy ended up deteriorating quickly and disappeared through, after leaving, a, a, like, a, like, a mental health clinic. And now nobody knows where he is today. The wealth and fame crushed him. It just isn't worth it. It's not what we think it is. What's, what society says, oh, he's really successful in his field. Man, in my opinion, on the eternal scheme of things, success is obedience and trusting Jesus. And I believe if you're doing that, you are tremendously successful right now. I believe the most radical thing you can do is say yes to Jesus. We have to think of our jobs and scale it on, on the great within the, in light of eternity. Because if we don't, we can get so caught up in this that we don't see this. And when you're looking at this, this is a lot smaller. It's like, oh, I can deal with that. That's no big deal. Because sometimes God will lead you to do a job you're not thrilled about, right? He... <laughs> We'll talk about that a little bit later, but it just happens. It's part of life. Sometimes you work jobs that aren't wonderful, but we can see God in that place. There's also a difference between an occupation and a vocation, okay? So occupation, we've been talking about how you spend your time, how you make money, what you do with your day. But a vocation is what you do with your life. And I believe that we're all called to the same vocation. We're called to be followers of Jesus who, like it says in Matthew 22, 37 through 40, make, love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And like it says in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, to make disciples of all the nations. I, be, I believe that is what we're called to do as followers of Jesus. As humans now that have decided to follow Jesus, that is what we are called to do with our lives. That is our vocation. Unfortunately, in America, in the Christian world, there's like this delineation between sacred and, and secular and like some people, if you're working in the business world, you're called to be just as, um, just to seek God and, and, to, and to make and, and make disciples, just like your, the pastors are. It's like there's really no difference. We're all called to the same things. It's funny. We were at a, I was at a, a college service and we were talking about this, and, and, and some 18 year old comes up to me and goes, "I just don't know if I can accept that we're all called to the same thing because that means my calling as a pastor isn't as special as I thought it was." And I'm like, I mean, it's special, but it's, it's not more special than his calling to be a doctor. I mean, it's, it's special because it's what God's saying to you. And I think whatever God's calling you to do, whatever your occupation is, you are called to the same things that we're called to. We're all called to the same. Let me see. 
But sometimes our, our um, occupation gets in the way of our vocation. And I just don't believe that's the heart of God for us. Man, I don't know, just, I think I was, in my, when I began my professional life as a, as a teenager, I was in a culture where the kingdom was first. And whenever I was applying for jobs, like you have to work on Sundays and you have to work on Thursday nights at that time when my life group was, I'm like, sorry, I can't do it. <laughs> this is not a plug for you to like come on Sundays and go to, go to life groups. I'm just saying for me, I'm like, no, I feel called to this church. I feel called to these, these life groups. I can't do it. They're like, but you can't have the job if you don't. I'm like, it's okay. I'll find another job. God's going to provide for me. I don't think our work should get in the way of our calling, of what God's calling us to. And I had friends that were uh, working. I had a friend one time who was working for this big company called Deloitte & Touche. It's a big accounting firm, really busy during the tax season. And uh, she was feeling like God was calling her on a mission trip during that time. And she's like, I, I feel called, but I have no idea. If, there's no way they're going to let me go. And I'm like, okay, God's telling you to go, so I think you should you know, run it by them. You know, I, think, I think if God's calling you to go, he's probably thought about that. And she's like, okay. <laughs> So she walks into her office with fear and trembling. Okay, uh, sir, you know, I want to go on this mission trip with my church. I'm really excited about it. And well, I have to take time off during this time. He's like, awesome, great, go for it. She's like, what? She's like, yeah, that's great. Like, this is not a believer. Like, just favor. Favor of God. There is unlimited resources from heaven. The favor of Jesus Christ is on your life to fulfill what God is calling you to do. Your job should not get in the way. In fact, I believe that our jobs are meant to propel us deeper into what God's calling us to. Isn't that good? Thank you, Jesus. Man, I don't think money, jobs, I don't think anything should be getting in the way of what God's calling us to do. If God's calling us to do something, we have unlimited resources from heaven available for that to happen. Lord, let it be. So easy to focus so much more on, yeah, My dad, he's a trip. He, I love my dad. He, uh, he is not raised in the church, uh, and, and sometimes when we're together, I'm a pastor, and he was not raised in the church, and so he often will kind of say funny things to me, like to mess with me a little, and he's so great. Uh, uh, but every time I see him, he's like, oh, did you save new souls, Billy? Did you do the Lord's work? And I'm like, this is so awkward. I don't know what to say to that. And, and uh, whenever you hear the Lord's work, I, I often used to think of preaching, evangelism, that kind of stuff, but... Jesus actually gives us, a def- gives us a definition for work. You want to know what it is? In John 6, 28, his disciples came to him and said, they asked him, what must we do to do the, work of God, the works of God? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one whom he has sent. There's a difference between knowing a fact and believing a truth. And I, I think a lot of us know that we're called to love God more than anything, and, we're, and we know that we're called to make disciples. But if we really believe that, this world would be transformed just through your life alone. Jesus made a handful of disciples, and that's why all of us are here today, because he made some disciples. Isn't that great? Let's give ourselves to the vocation that God's called us to as followers of Jesus, to love him and to change this world. Exciting. And then jobs, man, the jobs come. The provision comes. And that's the second thing I want to talk about is that God is our provider. He will provide for you. In Matthew 6, 31 through 34, it says, Do not worry, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. Those are people who don't know Jesus. They run after those things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. 
But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Man, God is going to provide for you. We don't need to worry. We don't need to be anxious. We don't need to fear. God is going to provide for you. He really will. And unfortunately, there's, there's, there's sometimes in life, because of our giftings and our skills and our work experience, we lose sight that God is our provider. We think, oh, I'm really skilled, so that's why I got this job. And I just want you to know that's not true. You are amazing, and you are loved. However, that's not the reason you got that job. The reason you got that job is because God is your provider. Because I've seen people who are brilliant not get jobs. And then I've seen people that are not brilliant get amazing jobs. I'm like, how'd you land that? I don't know. I just walked in and it's a gift to me, you know? (laughs) God is our provider. He really is, and we lose we lose, us, we lose that as humans sometimes. I have this funny joke. It's a groaner, so I'm hoping to get some good groans here in a second. I heard it when I was little, so you may have heard it or forgotten about it already, but uh, there was this, there's these scientists who decided they didn't need God anymore because they learned how to take a, 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 a bunch of dirt, dirt and turn it into a human. And they're like, okay, God, we don't need you anymore. We figured out how to create life from dirt. Like that's, that was the last thing, but we got it. We don't need you. See you later. And God's like, okay, well, before I leave... <laughs> Uh, let's, let's do a little uh, creation contest. Uh, they're like, well, what do you want to do? He's like, we can do anything. He's like, okay, let's make, human, let's make a human from some dirt. And they're like, okay. And they go outside, and they pick up a handful of dirt, and like God, God's like, whoa, whoa, you got to get your own dirt. <laughs> like that? It's a funny, it's a, it's a silly joke, but the point is it all comes from God. Everything you have, every skill, every gift, everything, it's from God. He is your provider. He is, and you can trust him. He will take care of you. Because we, wow, I got, Gabby loved it. (laughs) Last service, it kind of fell flat. They were like, oh, yeah. Because we forget that God's our provider, we we cease being thankful for our jobs. And that, that that makes me sad because, you know, There is a word called grateful, and there's a word called ungrateful. There's no in-between word, like like neutral-grateful. I don't, that word isn't real. It sounds weird when I say it. So what I'm getting is you're either grateful or you're ungrateful. And gratefulness takes action. Like you have to say, I'm grateful, to be grateful. Thank you, Jesus, for this job. Thank you, Jesus, for this life. Thank you for my paycheck. It's small, but no, no buts, no buts. I'm thankful, Jesus. You have to be thankful. Because if not, then you're going to be ungrateful. And guys, have you ever been in that? Like you're just getting ungrateful and unthankful, and you're like a downward spiral. And next thing you know, your kids get that way. It's like it's, it's about to, the wheels are about to come off. We're about to have a meltdown. And the other day, I went into Walmart. I was trying to find something. I couldn't find it. I get in the car. So my family, we have this like uh, thing called the, the thankful game that we play. And... Whenever morale is, like, kind of on a downward spiral, like, I'm like, thankful game, here we go. You know, I see one of my kids about to snap. I'm like, great, thankful game, thankful game, thankful game. And in and, uh, and this day, I was about to snap. So I'm like, I get in the car. I'm like, okay, guys, we got to do the thankful game. They're like, why, Dad? We're okay. I'm like, I'm not okay. I'm feeling really frustrated. Let's do it. So I'm like, I couldn't think of anything. So I'm, like, looking down. I'm like, thank you for my feet. Thank you, Jesus. I got feet. Some people don't. I do. Thank you. You know? And we went around the circle, and we're all saying thank you, things we're thankful for. 
I'm thankful for this, I'm thankful for this. And it doesn't have to be like this grand, beautiful thing. It could just be something little like, like you know, like, like cereal or, or whatever. Like just being thankful, it gets you where you want to go. And you know, I, I get to hang out with a lot, of, a lot of young people who are in school who are trying to figure out what they're going to do with their life, and I have a lot. And I'm always hearing this thing, I just want to know what God's will for my life is. Do you know there's a Bible verse that tells you what his will is for you? It's, it's there. Do you want to see it? Okay, here it is. Thank you. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. There it is. Oh. Okay. That will get you where you want to go. It really, really will. But we're like, oh, sometimes we're asking the wrong question. We're, we're saying, God, what's, what's your will for my life? But really we're saying, what job should I take? We should be saying, God, what's your will? Oh, here's your will. I'm going to love you with all my heart. I'm going to make disciples. I'm going to ask people for help and be plugged plugged into a community because I need help and I can't do it alone. And God, I'm going to be thankful the whole time. And when you do this, man, it opens up provision for you. And it, or helps you endure seasons where there's, it doesn't seem like there's much provision. But there always is the provision we need. Always. He's just good. He is so good. Let him, man, give God the opportunity to show you his glory through trusting him with all those things that are frustrating you through looking at the thorns and the thistles and looking to Jesus, I promise you, you will find what you're looking for. What you're looking for may not be what you, you're going to find what, you, what your soul is looking for. Sometimes, man, that saying the grass is greener on the other side, we're in a difficult job and we're just thinking, if I only had that job, I'd be better. No. Nope. I'm learning, <laughs> I'm learning for me what needs to change often is in here. We think out here, if that changes, we'll be better in here, but no. Things can, everything can change out here, and you're just still, man, and here's where we need the breakthrough. God is our provider. He is worthy of our thanks. So we want to be doers of the word, not hearers, right? Right? Okay. Okay, this group is excited about it. This side over here. They're excited about everything. <laughs> fun. Love it. Um, so we're going to play the thankful game. Does that sound like fun? I know it's a little weird. You're like, hey, I just came here to like listen. I didn't come here to talk. But we're gonna go talk a little. But I'm gonna get. I'm gonna, I'm gonna cut you some slack. We're gonna turn to our neighbor and we're gonna play the thankful game for 30 seconds. Okay? And you can't pause. There's no pausing allowed. It's like I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for this. And seriously, you can't think of anything. You can just say I'm thankful. I have clothes. Or I'm thankful. I'm inside. Or I had a bed last night. All right? Ready? Turn to your neighbor. One, two, three, go. All right, all right, all right. All right, let's bring it back in. Do you know it's pretty difficult not to smile when you're being thankful? When I'm looking around the room, I'm not seeing anybody saying, like, I'm so thankful for food. Like, man, sometimes the way out of the funk is thankfulness. If you're not grateful for your job, just start thanking God for it until you are. 
And guys, I'm saying that. I've had jobs that you walk in, you get yelled at and disrespected, and you go back to your cubicle. Like, I, I know those jobs. It's hard. Like, Thank you, Jesus, for my cubicle. You know, like, <laughs> like, I know it can be hard. But when we do that, we find hope. The hope of glory. All right. The last aspect or, or, or aspect of God's character that I believe we need to fix our eyes on when we're we see the thorns and the thistles, we need to look at Jesus and we need to remember that God is a servant. That Jesus Christ, Mark 10:45, said, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. The disciples are like, Jesus, how can we be the greatest? You know, like such a silly question. But he's like, the greatest will be your servant. If you want to be the greatest person that ever lived, be a servant. Which I don't know if I really want to be the greatest person that ever lived, but the one already did live, and he is the greatest, because he was the ultimate servant. He was perfect, didn't deserve any harm, but he gave his life up for us. And we are called to be like him, to be servants. You want to know, you know you're a servant when you're treated like a servant. You ever been treated like a servant before? It doesn't feel so great. I remember I had a job at Curves International. The, uh, the, the corporate office, FYI, um, and, and they had these big conferences. I've had a lot of silly jobs. It's okay. You can laugh. I laugh. Um, our job was to pick up the garbage at the, at the end of their, their little Jason's Deli boxes or whatever after their, uh, their big meetings. And uh, man, they would be throwing stuff on the floor. I think one person even used me as a backboard when I was holding the garbage bag. And I'm like, okay, thank you, ma'am. Appreciate it. Thank you, Jesus. I have a Baylor degree, but who cares? You know, I'm here. And um, man, it was so good for me. I started getting treated like a servant, and I realized, okay, I was getting paid, so I wasn't, you know. Uh, but, man, I think that it, we, need to, we need to be okay with being treated like servants. If you have a job and you're getting paid, you're, you're being appreciated. <laughs> you are. They're like, we appreciate you. Here's money. That's helpful, right? Um, if you're volunteering, if you're, whatever you're doing, whatever, whatever your heart is, we need to remember, whatever your, whatever your occupation is, we need to remember in Colossians 3, 23 through 25, it says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrong. And there is no favoritism. Men, God, God sees what is done in secret, and he rewards people for it. Would you rather have a pat on the back and to be honored in front of your coworkers or have an eternal reward that lasts forever? I've received the pat on the backs and the, hey, Billy's great, but that, there it is. My reward's over. For the billions and zillions of years <laughs> I'm going to be in heaven, that reward's not going to be there. But what we do in secret, when we're treated unfairly or we feel unappreciated, whether at home or whether at our, the, the office we go to or the coffee shop, and, you know, someone yells at you for putting a, half, two, a full Splenda instead of a half Splenda or whatever the deal is, Man, I need to remember I'm a servant. And I, I need to remember that Jesus has given me more than I need, above and beyond what I could ask or think. And that he is my reward that I get to enjoy forever. I hear, I talk about reward sometimes, and I hear Christians like, oh, I don't need to seek reward because Jesus is enough. And he is absolutely enough. But he, the one who we're saying is enough, has said more than anyone that we should pursue reward that we should store up treasures in heaven. 
I believe there's something to that. There's a mystery to it. I don't fully understand it. We can talk about it later if you want to. But, man, I believe that when we serve, there is a reward. When we're servants, when we do everything unto Jesus, when we keep him central. Yeah. Lord, help us. So, for me, professionally, I, I for the first for 10 years, I got to work for this organization, this church called Antioch in Waco, and to be a part of Antioch Ministries International, and I got to go on so many mission trips and plant churches and meet so many cool people and do so many wonderful things, and I loved that time of my life, and we were in Portland planting a church, and we felt like God said, hey, it's time to move to Katy uh, to be closer to your family, and I was like, nope, that's not from the Lord. <laughs> I'd rather... I'd rather go to, like, Iran or Saudi Arabia than move to Katy, you know, where I grew up. And I'm like, no, that's not from the Lord. And then, then my friend, uh, his name's Justin, emailed me. He's like, hey, you know, I've really been struggling hearing from God recently, but I felt like God told me this morning that he is trying to say something big to you right now, and you need to listen. I'm like, oh, man. So I told Teresa, she goes, that's not from the Lord. You know, I'm like, I know, right, but maybe it is. I don't know. <laughs> so, Because really what that man is leaving Antioch. And moving to Houston where there was no Antioch Houston. You guys, you guys, so much fun here. But there was no Antioch in Houston at the time. So that, that means, you know, quit that job and uh, go to Katy and work another job. And I got to work in an oil company for a year. And, um, you know, and I remember, I remember being there, uh, yeah, taking, taking that job. And then for, uh, I worked as a, um, uh, I did some construction and then I the baked the cake thing, whatever that was. And, uh, and then I got a job as working for a, um, a ministry downtown that reaches out to people on the streets. Uh, um, and part of my job as a director of that ministry was to uh, take the clothes from the homeless guys while we're serving them a meal and go wash them in this, this washroom. And, and I remember, like, this whole time I'm like, I, when I was in Antioch, I had dreams. I was going to plant churches and do this wonderful thing. It's going to be so amazing. And now I've worked at an oil company. I've done construction, and I've baked cakes, and here I am. And I'm like, I'm just like, I'm just trying to trust Jesus, you know? Like, I don't know what's going on in my life. And so I'm in that washroom. I'm like, this is no big deal. I open up the backpack, and this, like, aroma, like, punched me in the face. It's like, oh, oh, goodness sakes. And, and uh, I was just like, this is, this is rough, Jesus. And I, I gagged a little. Uh, and I'm, I just started washing them, and I just stayed back there, and I cried. I'm like, Jesus, I don't, how did I get here? <laughs> how did I get here? How did I get here? This homeless man just yelled at me. I had one accuse me of stealing his jeans one time. I'm like, I think I gave him his jeans that he said I stole from him. And he actually called the police. And I'm like, how did I get here, Jesus? And I just started crying. And I'm like, you know what, Jesus? I surrender to you. I surrender. I don't know what's best for me. You know what's best for me. And I look back over these last few years, and I've seen the glory of God. I think of all the names of the people that I've met along the way, all those people I've seen come to know Jesus. And literally, I, I think I, by the grace of God, was even to save a couple of lives on the street, and guys that were dying, and scoop them up and get them in a hotel as an end of treatment. And I think of all that God's done. And now I have this great job here with amazing friends and now kids that we adopted or that we're adopting, that we've met here. And I'm like, God, you are worthy of my trust. I don't know what's happening professionally in my life. People are like, where are you going to be in five years? I'm like, I have no idea. Hopefully not baking cakes, but Jesus, you're worthy. I'll do it. I, I just, I want to invite you 
to be in it for Jesus. Whatever it looks like, whatever you're doing, I know that there are hard times in work. But man, we need those thorns and those thistles to point us to him. Would you all stand up with me? Jeremiah 29, 11. <clears throat> the, prophet, the prophet hears from the Lord say, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plan to give you a future and a hope. God has good things for you. Ben can go ahead and come on up. God has good things for you. Whatever you're going through, whatever season you're in, I want to encourage you when you're experiencing those thorns and the thistles, when you're getting hurt, when you're frustrated, when you're, going, you're experiencing toil and you're like, it's just not working for me. I want to encourage you to let that point you to Jesus, to focus on him, to look to him and say, Jesus, help me. And every time he'll say, he's here, I'm here. And he'll reveal to you his glory, his nature, who he is, his goodness. Some of us in this room, we've never begun a relationship with Jesus. And I want to say today could be your day. Jesus loves you. He lived a perfect life to show us how to live. He died on the cross to take the punishment for our sin. And he rose from the grave and defeated death and is alive still today so that we could have a relationship with him. He's not calling you to just live up to this list of rights and wrongs, but he wants to be your right and wrong. To be the one who shares that with you and leads you through life. He wants to take you by the hand and lead you into a glorious destiny, as it says in in the Psalms. He's good. So if you've never made that decision to follow Jesus, I want to invite you to do so. We're going to have a few life group leaders down here up front. If that's you, man, come down, ask someone to pray with you. If you're in a place at work where you're just feeling frustrated and discouraged and you just need a breakthrough, man, come down, ask someone to pray for you. If you just need prayer for something random, man, come down. Ask someone to pray for you. Don't leave here without getting what you need. We have some more life group leaders come down. So let's pray together. Lord, I thank you that you are here right now. And I thank you that you're in our home, that you're at our office, that you're where we go. You're with us everywhere we go, Jesus. And Lord, I pray, number one, that we would all surrender to the vocation, to the calling you have on our lives, to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love our neighbors as ourselves, to make disciples, to love our families, to be the husbands that you've called us to be and the wives you've called us to be and the single people you've called us to be. We want to honor you, God, in our vocation. And Lord, we want to honor you and see your glory in our occupation and what we do with our days and how we make money or how we spend our time volunteering or serving children or caring for our own. Whatever that is, Jesus, whatever we do with our time, we want you to be the center of it all because that's where there's hope, God. When we look to you, when we look to all the frustrating thorns and thistles that come along, because of sin, because of weakness. When we look, we take that and look to you, Jesus, there's hope. You reveal your provision. You reveal your character and that you are eternal and that you are a provider and that you are a servant. And we're able to reflect that glory in our workplace, in our home. We need you, Jesus. I pray that nobody would leave here without getting what they need. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.